What is prayer? I side with Emerson. Prayer is the contemplation of things from the highest point of view. Prayer is not magical thinking. Prayer is thinking with clarity. It's not reaching out to God for help. It's going within to have the gall, to attempt to see how God might see, or how God might feel, or how God might know. This may not sound so absurd when we consider that an essential part of prayer isn't trying to think as someone else, but to let go of our own limited patterns of thinking. When we let that go, a greater thinking can reveal itself, a greater mind, a greater intelligence. Krishnamurti, a great teacher of meditation, made the distinction between thought and intelligence. Thought, he might say, is one of the things we do with intelligence, but intelligence can also be experienced without thinking, as a creative energy within itself. This leads me to prayer as contemplation. We often think of contemplation as taking a thought or idea and considering it for a time. Contemplate this. But contemplation is also a prayer practice that is developed particularly out of Catholic mysticism. It's the contemplation of the infinite. It's letting go of routine ways of thinking. It's opening our minds to experience the sacred. One ancient way of practicing this technique was the practice of the cloud of unknowing. The cloud of unknowing was taught by a now anonymous teacher during the Middle Ages. First, imagine below you a cloud of forgetting. As thoughts come up, feelings and images too, place them down into this cloud of forgetting. That thing she said to you, that thing you have to do today, that experience that nicked your self-image, into the cloud of forgetting it goes. As you continue to do this and you begin to feel a sense of being blank, or maybe it's better to say open, start to envision above you a cloud of unknowing. This is a state of awareness where you can be completely with intelligence, in place of not knowing, just being, just listening, just receptive. The teacher tells us that this can be a very dark place. But, he says, if you strive to fix your love on him forgetting all else, which is the work of contemplation I have urged you to begin, I am confident that God in his goodness will bring you to a deep experience of himself. And that's the practice. Get into the cloud of unknowing and stay there and wait for God. It's hard. It may be scary. I guess it could even be quite boring. But I think it's quite powerful. It's like taking my consciousness into one of those drive through car washes. In my practice, it's not like something comes in from nowhere. But it's like removing the dust and the grime of the days and weeks since I did the practice, and revealing that shine. It's less a consciousness that comes from nowhere, as it is a consciousness that resumes itself. The Catholic teacher Thomas Merton described it this way, Life can have an interior dimension of depth and awareness which is systematically blocked by our habitual way of life, all concentrated on externals. The poverty of a life fragmented and dispensed in things and built on a superficial idea of the self and its relation to what is outside and around it. Importance of freedom from the routines and illusions which keep us subject to things, dependent on what is outside us. The need to open an inner freedom and vision which is found in relatedness to something in us which we don't really know. This is not just the psychological unconscious. It is much more than that. Tillich called it the ground of our being. 
Traditionally, it is called God, but images and ideas of the deity do not comprehend it. What is it? The real inner life and freedom of man begins when this inner dimension opens up, and man lives in communion with the unknown within him. And do you know why I say scary for being in that cloud of unknowing? I say it because to let go of what we think we know is to enter into a kind of darkness. Perhaps evil is not the best word to describe darkness. Maybe not knowing is a better one. To let go of what we know in the pitch black is not only to in a way release our senses and our sense of identity, but to be fully vulnerable to the coming of something new. No, not the boogeyman from the shadows, but a transformative way of knowing, a greater identity yet to be, and for contemplatives, a deeper experience of God. When we have this experience, it doesn't just enrich our prayer, but our entire life. The contemplative Mother Teresa said, Our life of contemplation, simply put, is to realize God's constant presence and his tender love for us in the least little things of life. Perhaps the best practice is to take the consciousness we have received in contemplation and to bring it to all of our activities. Eat a piece of chocolate and seek sweetness, but also seek the eternal. Hug your child and seek to give love, but also seek the eternal. Seek your destination on your GPS, but seek the world. Seek God's universe. Seek the eternal. Mary Oliver, not a contemplative traditionally, but a great poet with the eternal on her mind. She said, Knowledge has entertained me and it has shaped me, and it has failed me. Something in me still starves. And what is probably the most serious inquiry of my life, I have begun to look past reason, past the provable, in other directions. Now I think there is only one subject worth my attention, and that is the precognition of the spiritual side of the world, and within this recognition, the condition of my own spiritual state. You yourself may not be at that point, where caring about the material items of life is something that you're ready to let go of. That's okay. But there's something you can do now, to improve your experience of the eternal, to build a consciousness better at appreciating, to live life more fully, so it doesn't feel like a beginning and an end, with a big whoosh sound in between. Try this practice. You don't have to be religious to do it. You don't have to be spiritual to do it. You just have to be interested in consciousness and the possibilities of what it might do if you nurture it, experiment with it, investigate it. Again, as Emerson said, prayer is the contemplation of things from the highest point of view. The first part of that is climbing up to that big panoramic view where you can't control what you see. You can just look and behold what comes to view. That's contemplative prayer. And as we will continue exploring, once you've gotten as high up as you can go, you can now take that knowing and apply it back down at your life. You can apply it to yourself, your relationships, and all the stuff going on. This is the application of prayer for healing, for peace of mind, for harmony, for a richer experience of life. Ernest Holmes said, It is wonderful to know that your good is at hand. Your night wanes. Your dawn is breaking. There is a living spirit at the center of your being. The original author of all life is in and around you, not a God who was, but a God who is. This is the great secret you share with life. Life is wherever you are. It revolves around you even as it flows through you. Keep the doorway of your mind open. Feeling, 
thinking, communing with this life. Know that it fills you with light and with power.